welcome in to the Just In Time Sports Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in today's episode, we will be talking about the multiple sports trying to return and their plans. We'll also be discussing NFL news and breaking news and the latest in several people's contracts negotiations, and also we'll be having our best for last segment. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Alrighty guys, and we're back. Now, we're going to start off with the world of sports returning. Honestly, I am very excited right now. I don't really know which way I want to go. Admittedly, I have a plan when I start these things, and I have a plan about what topics I want to touch today, but I'm not sure which order. You know, we've got the WNBA, we've got the NBA, we've got the MLB still struggling, we even got hockey. So I guess we're going to start off with the league that is coming back, and that is going to be the WNBA. We're going to touch on their plan, and the WNBA are going to play a 22-game regular season, and they're going to play it all at the IMG Academy in Florida. Now, IMG is known for their multitude of sports. They're known for the sports academies I've nicknamed them. They've got NBA players. They've got WNBA players. They've got NFL guys, prominent college athletes. Tennis guys, I mean, IMG is a masterful situation for developing top athletic talent. And the WNBA will be utilizing their facilities to play their 22-game regular season and the playoffs. Now, the WNBA only has 12 teams, so playing 22 games, you play everybody twice. Now, there's no home court advantage. There's no, oh, the scheduling is harder for the West. There's no complaining about the scheduling is harder for the East because you play everybody twice. Everybody has the exact same schedule, and it helps even more that the WNBA does not have conference seating. So they don't take, you know, teams from the West and teams from the East, and then the winners play in the championship game. It's the top records in the league make their playoff bracket. So now with everybody having the exact same schedule, playing at IMG, they're playing the same people twice. Maybe you don't play them in the same order, obviously, but you play everybody twice. One home, quote-unquote, one away, quote-unquote, you have equal opportunity to make the playoffs. Nobody's schedule is harder. And I think we're going to see arguably the best WNBA season in a long time. We've got some talented rookies coming in, led by Sabrina Inesco out of Oregon. We have great teams like the Las Vegas Aces, the Phoenix Mercury, adding Skylar Diggins-Smith. You have the LA Sparks and what they've been doing this offseason, trying to get better and reclaim their throne at the top of the WNBA. You have multiple teams, including the Washington Mystics, the defending champions, having done little to nothing to their roster and just going to run it back with a championship level team and trying to see if they can win two in a row. And so you've got all of that happening in the WNBA. Uh, The girls got it right. The women got it right faster than the men. Honestly, that is not surprising. Um, I think they're going to set a great example in how to get this done properly. Now, we're not hearing a lot about the bubble and if they're going to have a bubble in Florida. Now, as transitioning to the NBA, we know about the bubble and the bubble has been leaked in terms of plans and what they're going to have in the bubble. So teams are sectioned off at three different hotels based on records, and they're also going to have three playing sites. Now, in the different hotels, they will all have 24-7 concierges. We're talking they're going to have lounges, movie rooms concert like performances they're gonna have 
foods you can order whenever you want, a full menu, a full spread, barbershops, manicures, pedicures. It's going to be a bubble where Adam Silver is making it as comforty and cushiony as he possibly can and making it where you won't need to leave the bubble for things you need. So you need a haircut, there's a barber in the in the hotel. You need food, call up room service or call up the whatever line they set up in the different hotels. I'm sure they'll have a direct line to the kitchens. They can bring you whatever food you want. You wanna watch a movie, they got movie rooms. You wanna play ping pong, they're gonna have that. Now the bubble also has a lot of restrictions. I mean, Adam Silver's trying to make this thing impenetrable to the outside in and to the inside out. So if you just if you leave the bubble unauthorized, you'll suffer a quarantine of 10 to 14 days. You'll be suffering the deep nasal coronavirus test, which has now almost in like the archaic version um, to have a deep test, deep nasal swab, which looks very uncomfortable. You have situations where you're out for 10 to 14 days. So that can be an entire playoff series because they're playing every other day or just about. You can miss an entire playoff series if you're a top guy decides that, hey, you know, he wants to sneak off the bubble and he gets caught and now he's done for an entire playoff series. You could lose a series to a team you shouldn't lose to. Or in the case of the West, if he leaves the bubble early and he misses a week of games, well, he misses four games. You go from third seed to the sixth seed. Now you're playing a tougher team or you go from third to, let's say, fifth. And you're playing a tougher team and you lose a lot of your leverage in terms of who you would play early in the playoffs. So they're going to have some great technology in the bubble. Uh, they reportedly have rings where the smart rings can look for early detection of the coronavirus. And when something is detected, they can get to there like three days early. There's uh, alarms that when two rings are too close to each other, if they're closer than six feet, you have five seconds. Otherwise, the, alarm, the rings start ringing. The rings literally turn into an alarm to separate people out and to make sure that they aren't too close to each other. Now, in regards to how the scheduling would work, because this is something that I was very interested in, in terms of how people would play, how people would, you know, schedule would fall and things of that nature. So they're going to start off with three scrimmage games against people located in your hotel. So I guess that's to minimize the cross hotel. Let's say if one hotel happens to get the virus, everybody in the hotel is exposed instead of, you know, you might bounce it from this player to that player to this player. Now all three hotels are exposed and the season may get shut down. Also, it helps with seating in general, considering that it'll be top teams playing top teams, bottom teams playing bottom teams, because you're based on your hotel and your seating decides your hotel. So like the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, their Rockets and teams of that hilt are all in one hotel. Well, as opposed to the Suns, the Pelicans, the Wizards, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs are in one hotel. And then the guys in the middle are in a hotel. So you're gonna start off with three scrimmage games versus people in your hotel. And then you're gonna play an eight game, quote unquote, regular season. Now, I'm not sure how the regular season is casted. Obviously not having all 30 teams available you can't just say, okay, we're gonna play the next eight games on the schedule because all 30 teams are not available. So I don't know if they're gonna draw names out of a hat. I don't know if they're going to pick the next eight games on the schedule that are available and making sure nobody plays, you know, more than eight games, but it keeps some semblance of how the schedule would go considering you do have 22 out of 30. So 
that I'm not sure they're gonna do that yet but you're gonna play eight you know regular season games and then you're gonna play the playoffs standard playoffs eight on the east eight on the west they may have the play-in tournament depending on if you know the Western Conference team can stay close enough to the eight seed Grizzlies to force a play-in tournament or if Washington can make it interesting with the eight seed out in the east and they have a play-in quote-unquote tournament even though it just be the two of them to battle for the eight seed to get the right to lose to the Bucks. I mean, honestly, winning the eighth seed in either side is not great. You get the right to lose to the Bucks in the East, or you get the right to lose to the Lakers in the West. Regardless, that's not too big of a prize. Although being the ninth seed doesn't help you in the draft lottery at all. You basically have a 0% chance of getting in the top 10. So I guess you can do your efforts of, you know, trying to make the playoffs because that does give additional revenue, especially with the playoffs being a shared pot, you get additional revenue. Now back speaking on the bubble, um, I know there's been several concerns raised about there's a hotline at the NBA setup trying to get players to snitch on each other. I'm not sure how productive that's going to be or even how you would fact check that. Like, let's say LeBron did leave the bubble. You know, he's got Dwayne Wade in Miami and things of that nature. He's got friends in Florida. He played four of his best years with the Heat. He's got friends in Florida. Udonis Haslam, Dwayne Wade, people of that nature are still in Florida. But if he decides to, I'm going to sneak out the bubble and go hang out with Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union one night because he hasn't seen Dwayne Wade at least since coronavirus started and possibly longer. And what if somebody on the Bucks calls the hotline? Hey, I just seen LeBron leave the bubble. Or I know for a fact LeBron isn't in the bubble. Does the NBA go check his room? Does the NBA knock on his door and go, hey, LeBron, are you in there? And if the NBA catches, let's say LeBron or Kawhi or Giannis or Harden or somebody of that upper echelon not in their room, does the NBA really have the guts to sit that player for 10 to 14 days? Because then you directly change the playoffs. You have a hand. If you take the Bucks without Giannis and put them in the playoffs, the Bucks are losing in the first round. No disrespect to Chris Middleton. No disrespect to Lopez or Eric Bledsoe, anybody else on that squad, but remove Giannis. That's a 40-win team, maybe. But what if they catch LeBron out and it's just Anthony Davis? I think John Morant and the Grizzlies could beat the Lakers without LeBron. I think Zion and the Pelicans could beat the Lakers without LeBron. The Lakers are done in the first round. What if they catch the Clippers? The Clippers already have chemistry issues in terms of they never have their full team. What if they catch Paul George out? The Clippers could lose in the first round just having Kawhi and the rest of the tough-minded crew of the Clippers. They're not scoring threats. Paul George was there, honestly, to be the main scorer and allow Kawhi to be the defensive wizard that he is while scoring his 25 points a game. But Paul George, in my opinion, should be the leading scorer on the Clippers in order for them to be successful. What if you catch one of their main guys out? Sure, it's easy to suspend Avery Bradley if you catch him out. Dwight Howard, you catch him out. Zubats, if you catch him out for the Clippers. But it's a lot harder to do that from an NBA standpoint to catch one of the main guys out. Now, there's been a ton of dissension around the bubble, led namely by Kyrie Irving. He's citing social justice issues and amongst other things in terms of why he doesn't feel Orlando should happen. Personally, I don't know why Kyrie Irving's even involved in the discussion. According to Kendrick Perkins, he was all ready to go when the NBA PA had their call originally, when they called around different player reps about going to the bubble and things of that nature before we even had a clue about the amenities. 
According to Kendrick Perkins, Kyrie was already the role. And then the NBA came out and was like, guys that aren't playing can't go. So like Kevin Durant and Kyrie couldn't go to support their team, quote unquote, and hang out in the bubble and sit on the end of the bench because it's another body, it's another risk. And Adam Silver is doing his best to minimize risk. I think he's doing a hell of a job in doing it, but he's doing his best to minimize risk. And so according to some people, namely Kendrick Perkins, when Kyrie was told that he couldn't go and sit on the end of the bench and hang out in the bubble and be with his team, that's when the attitude changed. That's when the name changed. That's when the game changed. And he began to lead what's now been dubbed the New Players Coalition to cancel the season in Orlando. Now, I personally don't give a lot of credence to Kyrie Irving in the situation because Rick Buecher has said recently that people don't know if this is motivated in good faith, if this is legitimately something that Kyrie wants to get done for social justice or that Kyrie is just sour grapes and is trying to keep, let's say, LeBron from winning another championship or he's trying to get rid of a season that he wasn't going to have a shot at winning a ring with his new running mate and his best friend, Kevin Durant, whether he would even have a shot at winning a ring because they're both injured. And so Kyrie's trying to cancel a season that he couldn't win. It'll be perfect. It'll be a perfect way to go. Now, canceling the season led by Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley as well, who's brought up, in my opinion, a better way of doing this, a better reason. He's bringing up a lot of different things, a lot of different reasons that the NBA players could demand before restarting the season or at least get verbal confirmation that the NBA would look to do this, like getting more African-American coaches and African-American people in decision making roles like final say general manager, basketball operations president, things of that nature. Now, to go back to discussing the possibility of a canceled season. Now, if the season were to get canceled, the owners would then trigger the force majeure, which is basically that they can get completely out of the collective bargaining agreement and start a new labor discussions. Now, if the owners lose billions, possibly in revenue, in terms of total collective revenue due to no TV rights, no playoff streaming, no advertisement, none of that, they are going to come after the players hard. We have Rick Buecher saying as much as an 80-20 divide, instead of what is basically a 50-50 split, they would go for 80% of the pot over the next four to five years to quote unquote make up for what they lost from this playoffs. And on top of that, they would institute a hard cap. They would fight very hard for a hard salary cap. Now that's similar to what the NFL salary cap is. Let's say the NFL salary cap is $219.8 million. Every NFL team has $219.8 million. And there's very, very few ways to evade and to maneuver the salary cap. And there are exceptions. There are very small exceptions, but every team generally has $219.8 million. And there's pretty much nothing you can do about it. Now, you could move salary from one year to another if you got cap space and you want to free it up for next year, or you want to move a salary to a bonus for stuff like that, get a little cap hit relief. But in general, you have the salary cap number. Now, in the NBA, they have what is deemed a soft cap. In the soft cap, you can have all kinds of exceptions. That's why they have the salary cap and then they have the luxury tax and you can do whatever you want with the luxury tax as long as you're willing to pay the luxury tax bill. But they have what is deemed a soft cap. There's different ways like you can go over the salary cap for a player with bird rights, which is 
X amount of service time for a certain team, you can go over the cap to sign that player, which is why a lot of times when guys have people to re-sign, they'll sign supporting cast members first and then pay the big contract to a player who's been on the team for several years because they can go over the cap to sign him as opposed to if they sign the veteran player on the team already first, then they couldn't sign the other people because they wouldn't possess their bird rights. It's a way to try and keep players close to home and players on their teams by enticing them with more money and possibility things of that nature. But if they were to cancel the season and kick in the force majeure, the owners would want the NFL's cap, which is the hard cap. They would get rid of the exceptions. They would do all kind of stuff because then the salary cap would tumble and then you would have a hard cap. Well, all the contracts get null and voided, essentially. And the free agent market goes to zero because everybody's going to want to stay close to home because why would I pack my bags up and leave when I'm going to make no money? So guys like Anthony Davis, who's looking at a possible five-year extension worth $200 million, or Giannis being eligible for a quarter-billion-dollar extension this offseason, would be null and void. It would be useless, and he couldn't get that money because it would be a hard cap with a reduced salary cap. So he might go from a quarter-billion to... 100 million if he's lucky. Now, could he sign short-term deals and hope the salary cap comes back up? Sure he could. But if you lock in a collective bargaining agreement for three to five years at a 20% cut of revenue, even when the cap flies back up through the roof or when the revenue probably goes through the roof, you will never get near a quarter billion dollars because you have a hard cap place. So your bird rights will be useless and all the other things. And so you might get 130 if you're lucky over five years. And so for all these reasons, the NBA had to come back in order to have basketball as we know it for the next three to five years because of the collective bargaining agreement. And on top of that, they have made it about as safe as possible. People globally and throughout the country have commended the NBA and how safe they're doing this. And they have done it correctly. I'm very proud of the NBA and the WNBA for that matter for getting this solved as soon as possible and for finding the best ways to handle it. And now we're going to talk about the red-headed stepchild of negotiations, also known as Major League Baseball, although there's not hope. There is not hope. Earlier in the week, I had literally no hope that they're going to play baseball this year. Like after Rob Manfred came out and said that he couldn't guarantee a season anymore, I thought it was over. I thought that was the beginning of the mud slinging back and forth. And this person's the reason why we're not playing baseball. And that's the reason why. And we just weren't going to have baseball. And then Rob Manfred had a talk with a higher up in the player association. They had a four hour talk face to face. They just chatted and they talked about how they wanted to get the season going. And then all of a sudden, there's a major league baseball proposal to the players. union. thank the Lord himself. It is for 60 games. It is for a full proration of the 60 games. It is an expanded playoff and it is a way to get baseball back. Now, I said a few weeks ago that the owners were going to have to take the hit on this one in terms of probation. You couldn't ask a guy that's supposed to make $30 million to all of a sudden make seven when based on the proration, he should have made 15. Now, in this version of the proration, a guy making $30 million should make around 11, 12, and they would get them, you know, the $12 million. He would get his full prorated salary for the games played. Now, the union counters with a 70 game proposal adding 10 more games means a little bit more money 
couple more hundred thousand for a few guys. Maybe you can get a million for a couple guys more. Expanded playoffs, a universal designated hitter. So no pitchers would be batting at all. And you would have a 70 game season for operation and all that good stuff. But that means that baseball will be played this season. Thank the Lord himself. This negotiation should be over within the next couple of weeks. I expect about a three week spring training and we'll be back to playing baseball. Great, spectacular, amazing. We'll be back to playing baseball. So at one time we could have the basketball going on, baseball will be back, the NASCAR's running, UFC's fighting. We've got boxing events they're trying to get going. I mean, the world of sports is really coming back. The NCAA has approved a, a six-week preseason football plan to get football back. The NFL is chugging along like they'll never even considered not coming back or not having fans in the stands for that matter. And so all this is great news. I am so excited about all of this stuff, especially the NBA, especially the WNBA. I can't wait to watch basketball back on television. And next, we're going to transition to the NFL news. All right, guys, and we're back. And now we're going to transition to the NFL news. Obviously, we don't have a ton going on with the NFL being shut down because of coronavirus. But we have some great and spectacular topics nonetheless today. So first, we're going to start off with the resurgence of Colin Kaepernick's career. So as you as we all know, he's been out of the league for going on four years now due to his protests and the NFL owners blackballing him out of the league. And so now we have a resurgence with the tide of the country turning with Black Lives Matter movement, with things of that nature happening in terms of we're seeing the social injustice that Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee for those years ago in 2016. We now have a resurgence of the possibility of him having an NFL career. We have Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll coming out in the media and saying, hey, a team called a team called asking about him. We have Anthony Lynn saying that who wouldn't want him on their workout list. Personally, side note, I've never heard of a workout list. I'm not privy to obviously the ins and outs of every NFL team. So maybe somebody has one. Maybe they're deciding to do one. I've never heard of it, but that's just me. But yeah, so Anthony Lynn did say that anybody would be crazy not to have him on their workout list. Now, he has a full quarterback room, and he said that Kaepernick would fit in what they want to do, which is move the pocket. Obviously, you can't do that with the statue known as Phillip Rivers, but you can't really move the pocket with that kind of guy at your quarterback position. So look at the quarterbacks they have on their roster now. You have Justin Herbert, who's known for his running at Oregon. We're not talking Lamar Jackson running, but as we've seen against Wisconsin, he can put the ball on the ground and get some rushing touchdowns. He's mobile. Tyrod Taylor is a mobile quarterback. Easton Stick from North Dakota State, the quarterback factory known as North Dakota State, can move. He's mobile. So we've got Anthony Lynn clearly wanting to do a lot of rollouts, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of quick passing scheme, maybe with a West Coast mixed with some of this new flair, rolling the pocket out left and right and moving the pocket to keep launch angles of defensive ends guessing. But in regards to Colin Kaepernick, we may be seeing him come back. That's not the second head coach that's been open about the situation. Now, 
with a player like Colin Kaepernick and with that name kind of name recognition. And the same goes for a guy like Cam Newton. That's not a head coach decision. That's not a general manager decision. That's if the head coach checks off, the general manager checks off, somebody, one of, if not both of those guys, has to go to the owner, Dean Spanos in the case of the Chargers, and tell him why it would be worth the backlash he may get from the president, the backlash he may get from some fans, the distraction to the team with the media, and all that nature. The owner has to sign off on that. It is the owners collectively that kept him out of the league the first time, so it's going to take an owner to get him back in the league. Personally, I think Cap should have been out the league, but that's obvious. And I'm so happy that it seems like his career is going to have a chance to come back. Now, he can't be silent. I don't think Cap can just sit and wait and let Nessa talk or let his representatives or his agent talk for him. He's going to have to put out a workout video again. He's going to have to put on his Twitter, I'm ready, I'm ready to go, like he did at the workout, at the infamous workout in Atlanta, when he told the world he was ready to go, and the ball's in the NFL's court. I think he may need to say that again. I think he may need to put on Twitter or social media, or put a video out that he's willing to talk to teams, and he's not going to let his representatives just talk for him, because teams are going to want to talk to him about what he wants to do in terms of protests, in terms of how actively involved he will be in the movements and his work outside of football and i think they just want to know i don't think it'll be a hindrance the way it was four years ago but i think they just want to know and just want to talk to him now speaking of cam newton he's in a holding pattern i mean he's pretty much stuck until the virus allows physicals now we've seen physicals happen with the falcons having a physical for ty Gurley, or the dolphins guys coming out and saying that Two was perfectly cleared and ready to go for their upcoming season because he passed his physical. But those are team specific, and those guys are allowed in NFL facilities because of the rehab rules. So I think that Cam Newton is stuck at this moment in time. And due to the fact that Cam cannot be examined by doctors because the NFL rules prohibits him from getting a physical at any facility because he's not currently on a team, I think he's stuck until we can get physicals, which means Cam might not even be looked at by an NFL doctor until the season starts, until the rules are relaxed and they allow more players and facilities, then the team could justify bringing in a free agent quarterback for an examination. Now, my new favorite player currently is Jamal Adams because he is coming with a lot of energy towards the Jets. He's told the Jets that he doesn't want to resign unless they offer him the biggest safety contract in the league. And he's requested to permission to seek a trade. Now, the Jets have denied that request, but he's already come out with a list of teams. Adam Seth has been all over it. He's looking at several contenders, namely the Chiefs as a place he'd like to land, the Cowboys as well. And so you've got the Cowboys on that list. You've got some other great teams. The Saints have been rumored to be connected with him. And Jamal Adams has his list, and they're going to come out with that completely and totally he's mentioned the eagles which would be a pain for the cowboys he's had the new las vegas raiders on that list he's had several good teams and he's requested a trade and that he wants out and so it'll be very interesting to see if the jets allow him this permission to seek the trade he has a fifth year option coming up and he also has to get re-signed very soon so anybody that'll trade for him will be similar to the way Jalen ramsey got traded just last season and where you would trade for him with assets, plus you'd be basically guaranteeing him the big deal that he wants because you wouldn't trade 
a first and a third or first and a second, even two firsts for an 18 month rental for a 24 month rental. And then he hits the open market and could possibly leave anyway. Probably not going to resign because he was under the impression that he would get a deal within 12 months to make him the highest paid safety or highest paid player at his position. And so we'll be looking all over that. I'll have constant updates on my Twitter and I'll be all over that situation. Thank you, Jamal Adams, for something relevant in the NFL. And now we transition to the longest contract negotiation arguably ever in Dak Prescott with the Cowboys because now it's tricky. We spoke about it a couple weeks ago where the cap could plummet up to $80 million due to the lack of fans. And so signing Dak Prescott to a long-term extension may not be fiscally responsible for the Cowboys. But at the same time, Dak deserves to get paid. If he does the franchise tag option two years in a row, He'll go from 31 million to 37 million, but the third year is like 54 million. There's no way Jerry Jones is going to take a 54 million cap hit on a player, primarily if the cap comes down. So if the cap bottoms out by 80 million dollars, then he may not even agree to pay the next franchise tag at 37 million because now the 14% that the Cowboys don't want to go over may balloon to 22% of the salary cap. And that the Cowboys cannot afford to pay all their players and will have to start making drastic cuts in order to try and keep Dak Prescott on the team. And I don't believe, and I'm sure Jerry Jones and his family does not believe, and most people do not believe that Dak Prescott is worth losing two to three pro bowlers or two to three pro bowl level players for him. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Deshaun Watson. And so losing two to three pro bowlers to keep him on the team just flat out isn't worth it, especially with a guy like Andy Dalton as his backup. So we'll be all over that. They have until July 15th to get a long-term contract done. That's less than a month. I said previously that I don't see this deal getting done within two weeks out. I mean, it'll get done last couple of weeks. We saw it came down to the 12th hour. It felt like when Zeke and Jerry were negotiating, and got him in just in time to get him kind of warm up to start the season before Jerry ultimately caved, in my opinion, and gave him the biggest deal ever for a running back. Maybe he does the same thing for Dak. I think a fair market contract would be about five years, 190, which would be about $37 million and some change with about 130 fully guaranteed duet signing, which would guarantee the first three years at least. And then you can get from under the contract in year four. So I think that's fair market value. I think they should be negotiating somewhere around there. But ultimately, we'll be watching that situation. We'll be keeping a close eye on Jamal Adams, see if he gets moved, which will be increasingly interesting in terms of finalizing trades because we can't get physicals. Now, you can get a physical eye as soon as the person gets traded to pass it in order for the trade to go through. But at the moment, it's been really hard to get physicals, especially if you are trying to trade a healthy player. So he couldn't even get in the building to get a physical to get looked at at all. We will be all over the Jamal Adams situation. We'll be keeping a close eye on Dak Prescott along with the rest of the NFL news. And up next, we'll be having our best for last segment. Alrighty, guys. And in our best for last segment, I am going to talk about the asterisk conversation that's been circling around this NBA season. Now, I don't think it deserves an asterisk. In my opinion, an asterisk happens in an injury riddled playoffs like just last year. I place a personal asterisk on the Raptors championship because the entire Warriors team felt like it got hurt. You already had an embattled Boogie Cousins fighting through. 
You had Steph clearly wearing down. Klay Thompson pops an ACL. Kevin Durant pops an Achilles. And the Market Cousins said it got to the point where they began to look around like Hunger Games, like who's next? Like who's going to go down next? And the goal at a certain point became making it through the series as opposed to even trying to win the series. I feel like that has an asterisk. I feel like the Warriors championship in 2015 where they didn't play a starting point guard the entire playoffs and got to the finals versus LeBron, who lost Kyrie Irving in overtime of game one, already didn't have Kevin Love and was running around Cleveland with his second best player being no offense, but Matthew Dellavedova. If Matthew Dellavedova is anyone's second player, you have no business being anywhere near an NBA Finals, let alone competing in that series. And LeBron took that team six. And if Iguodala does not affect LeBron as much as he does, LeBron very well could win the championship in 2015, his first year back in Cleveland, with Kyra Irving on the bench with a broken kneecap and Kevin Love out with injury as well. And arguably ignites the GOAT debate one year earlier instead of igniting it win a 3-1 versus the Warriors. So in those series, I place asterisks because there was a gruesome amount of injuries on one side that clearly we did not see the best of those teams happen. That's an asterisk-worthy season to me. I do not place an asterisk for 2016 when Draymond gets suspended, however. A, because he plays in games 6 and 7. B, that was something that he did. It was not a freak injury. He accumulated technical fouls and got himself suspended and yelled out the B word loud enough where Kiki Vanderway could hear it, who is the disciplined person in the NBA. That's on Draymond. That's not a Astros level season. I don't place an Astros 2012 on LeBron's first championship because of a strike-shortened season. I don't hold that. Same thing as 99 with the Spurs. I don't hold it against them that the season was shortened due to a labor negotiations. It's not an Astros worthy season. And the reason why I say that is in this season, in 99 and in 2012, everybody in the league went through the same thing. It's not like it was a freak amount of injuries in the NBA finals or a self-inflicted thing like Draymond in 2016. Everybody in the league had to go through, in this case, a several month pause through the coronavirus. Everybody played a shortened season in 99. Everyone played a shortened season in 2012, so that's not a Astros level season because everybody played the same schedule. Everybody had the same issues. Everybody had the same problems. It was not a normal 82-game, four-round, seven-game series playoffs. It was a shortened season or an abridged season or a broken-up season for some reason that everyone had to do. So I don't think this has anything to do with a Astros regardless of who wins. It may be looked at a little weird if the Magic somehow win the championship, or it could gain an asterisk if we get seven top guys that all catch the virus. So if LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi all get the virus and all their team lose in the first round, then yeah, it's an asterisk. Or Giannis gets reported leaving the facility, leaving the bubble, and is out for two weeks because of testing. Okay, that's an asterisk. But if everybody's there, if everybody plays and we don't have any massive outbreak of the virus, people get quarantined and things of that nature, and we have what the closest facsimile to a real playoffs we can get, there's no asterisk. So barring extenuating circumstances of a virus outbreak, bubble breaks in terms of people leaving the bubble, or like the Orlando Magic winning the championship, I'm not seeing where an asterisk should be deserved. 
But all in all, guys, this is a great show. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, remember, follow at JTime Sports on Twitter for breaking news and updates on the podcast itself. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I love all the support. I appreciate all the support. I am open to topic suggestions. You can send them to me on Twitter. You can DM them to me on Twitter. You can drop them in the comment section of the podcast. I look at all that stuff. So I would love to see guys' feedback. Remember, subscribe, like us, drop a rating, uh, tell your friends. Again, I love all the support. Tell your sports rivals. Tell people you want to teach some sports. Maybe you don't really know or maybe you want to teach them something you can't really explain. Send them here. I'll explain it for you. I'll break it down, all that stuff. So, again, follow at JTown Sports on Twitter for breaking news. Like I said, we're going to be all over the Jamal Adams thing. We're going to be all over MLB, all that stuff. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This has been great for me. I love doing this every week. I look forward to this every week. I hope you guys are enjoying. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.